We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Joining me now, Chris Biederman, honorary Memphian, Memphisite for the for the show. Um, and <laughs> boy, we've got a hell of an NFC Championship game to talk about. Uh, but before we do that, I uh, want to shout out our friends over at Lamb Chops. SGLambChops.com is the website. It is the official clothing brand of Candlestick Chronicles because, of course, it is high quality, it is super comfy, it has zippered pockets, and most importantly, it looks dope. I saw Craig today. I saw the homie Craig. Him and a bunch of his buddies were out uh, were out at the Niner game, so I went and, and caught up with them before the game. And nice. it just reaffirmed why uh, I enjoy this company so much because all the people around it are uh, really, really great. So shout out to uh, Craig, who had his rally cap on for the second half, and it worked to the 49ers' advantage. Can confirm, Craig. Awesome dude. Uh, good hang, and um, yeah, man. Good people. Good people to uh, to partner with, and and obviously a great brand. And, and we love Lamb Shop, so check them out, support them, and uh, we appreciate them supporting us. Candlestick twenty is the promo code to get twenty percent off your order. Hoodie, shorts, sweatpants, whatever you want. My dad says they're the best sweatpants that he owns. He loves them so much. Wears them all the time. You'll do the same. SGLambShops.com. We're also sponsored by Cooperage Brewing. We love Cooperage. Uh, they are the makers of Candlestick Chronicles Hazy IPA. I hope there were some being drank in the parking lot before, during, and after the game tonight. I don't know if there were. I didn't see any, but I also wasn't looking super close. Sources confirmed that, yes, they were, in fact, being enjoyed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Being enjoyed at the at, at uh, Levi's Stadium today. Well, good. Um, you can get yours today at cooperagebrewing.com. You go to the website, you can order a case, they'll send it right to your front door if you're 21 and up and in the state of California, or any of their other delicious beers. I think they have, uh, um, help me out, Keg Slayer. Yeah, I believe they have Keg Slayer now available. I think they do too. I don't have their website up right now, but we have the technology. Uh, this is This is really good podcast content. All right, of course, I'm on uh, hotel Wi-Fi, so it's not going to go super quickly for me. Go right now to coopersbrewing.com, and if they have Kegslayer, (laughs) I cannot recommend enough getting a case of it. It is my second favorite beer that they make behind Candlestick Chronicles, but of course, every beer that they make is great, and you know that because so many breweries and people who work at breweries around the Santa Rosa area love to hang out at Cooperage, and you will too. Get your beer at coopersbrewing.com or go hang out at the brewery in Santa Rosa. It's a great spot. All right. Your favorite your favorite brewery's favorite brewery. Facts. Shout out to Cooperage. Facts. All right. Uh let's dive into this ridiculous football game. Blue wire. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. I was there, not to brag, um, and I saw You're... the game happen. But I'm, I'm like, here, I'll just be straight up. At halftime, 
I was I was talking to our guy Nick Wagner from ESPN, not to brag, and <laughs> <laughs> just chopping it up. And it was like, well, people are going to be canceling plans for Vegas. Hey, they're going to have a first round pick in the draft this year because I didn't think usually like against the Packers. All right. The Niners are down seven, but it's like, man, you know what? They do a couple things different and they're, they're winning this game. It's fine. But Detroit was dominating that game so thoroughly. And in ways that I didn't think the Niners, I didn't think there was an adjustment. I thought that I thought Detroit was just better. Their offensive line was getting a ton of push. Ben Johnson had Steve Wilkes in the, in the 49ers defense on their heels the entire first half. And it just didn't look like there was going to be a pathway where even if the 49ers offense started rolling and got things figured out where their defense is going to get enough stops because like teams don't come back from 17 being down 17. Is it, it, it you just don't, I think five and, and, and 99, I think is what is what I saw in, in the Super Bowl era that teams are when trailing by 17 in a playoff game or 17 at halftime of a playoff game. Yeah. And I think this, this tied for the, the uh, largest comeback in championship game history. Yeah. It, 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 right. Which the Niners, uh, had right in 2012 against the Falcons. I believe so. So I, I, I'm, I, I didn't see a pathway where they were a going to play well enough to overcome a deficit and B have, have the lions play poorly enough to have the Niners overcome that deficit. And then they, <laughs> and then they did. This is why, this is kind of why we like sports, right? Like not only, um, do you know the teams you follow like you root for the teams that you follow right and and obviously they bring a great deal of joy when they win but there's a certain un, a, a certain level of unpredictability that happens in sports and and when i say that i mean like we can talk till we're blue in the face about everything we know about the 49ers right mm-hmm. and going into the game it was man they they're really good when they play from ahead and they haven't had they haven't won these games where where they fall down early um, and they turn the ball over and they get pushed around. That just hasn't happened, right? Th- those games have typically turned into losses. But then you have games like tonight where everything you've come to understand about a team based on the evidence that you have can sometimes not always be a predictor of what's going to happen in the future. And I think mm-hmm. that's why that's why we love the NFL. And I think why the NFL has such a stranglehold on the sports market in this country is because you have scarcity in the sense that it's a one and done situation. Right. It's not a seven game series, right? Mm-hmm. It can be the we, we can know that the Niners are a much better team than the Detroit Lions and have all this evidence to back it up. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to go in and just win the game just because you've been the better team all season, right? You actually mm-hmm. have to go out and do it. And the Lions were taking it to the 49ers to start that game, like flat they out. Got they got their asses taking, they were they were kicking the 49ers asses and mm-hmm. hearing the players talk in the in the press conference afterwards um there was no it didn't sound like there was like much rah rah stuff going on in the locker room it sounded like the players were just pissed off and mm-hmm. they channeled that and obviously channeled it into some positivity and ended up winning the game and there's so much that happened in the second half that we can talk about um including mm-hmm. the lions just kind of giving the game away there were so many, you know, did, Josh dude. Reynolds had Josh Reynolds drop on fourth down a killer. Josh Reynolds drop on third down a killer. Mm-hmm. Um, Jameer Gibbs fumble an absolute killer. The 50 yard completion of Brandon Ayuk that bounces off the DB's face mask and right to him, setting up a touchdown, an absolute killer. But look, man, football's mm-hmm. one of those games where you can get breaks. And, you know, I like, if, if you've listened to this podcast for a long time, you've heard me say that I believe in the cliche, the adage that sometimes more, sometimes more games are lost than one. That's how you lose mm-hmm. a game when you're the Lions and you fumble it away. And that's one of the reasons why I thought coming in that the 49ers were going to win because it's just, mm-hmm. they have more adults in the room. They're a more veteran team. They're more experienced. And it felt like the Lions were the deer in the headlights in the second half mm-hmm. of that game because it's a, it's really tough to go on the road and look in the NFL the championship round is by far the best atmosphere you will find in the league it's not even close yes. 
Yeah, right. Levi like, Stadium can, was awesome tonight. It seen and and it was coming through the TV. I'm in Memphis, and I was like, "Damn!" Like Levi's like turned up right now when the 49ers yeah. were going on that run in the third quarter. Um, but it was just one of those games where, like, we had assumed that the 49ers were just. I don't want to say front runners, but just a team that had been comfortable in winning a game a certain way. And then it was a little bit uncomfortable last week in the rain against the Packers when they had to come from behind from seven points, something they haven't done, um, you know, that, that we've seen them do recently mm-hmm. and then do it from down four, 17 points where they haven't, what, you had the stat earlier. Didn't, didn't, hadn't the 49ers not won a game since Kyle Shanahan became coach by when they trailed by 14 points i don't i i i didn't look that up but i'm almost certain it's correct i can't remember a game where they were down by that many and won. right so it just speaks to like what's fun about sports and particularly the nfl in the playoffs is just the overall unpredictability of it and like it it happened in baltimore too it was Mm -hmm. like we have all this evidence saying baltimore is a historically good team and we can look at dvoa numbers and we can look at look at the way they kicked the shit out of some of the teams they played, including the Niners and Lions um, and, a, and some other good teams along the way. And then the Chiefs can still go and beat them. I think the NFL is the most level playing field in American professional sports, particularly in the playoffs, that anybody can beat anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but for, for the Niners now, like... I'm of the belief that they're in a much better place having experienced the last two weeks the way that they have and having to fight back in these games than 2019 when they just kind of boat raced the Vikings and and the Packers before going Mm -hmm. to the Super Bowl, right? Like there's, there is value in being battle tested. And when we talked about the the Eagles, the, the Eagles game back in November, um, one of the things, or December, whenever it was, one of the points of that game was like, yeah, the Eagles are kind of like pulling all these wins out of their asses, and, and maybe they're not as good as their record says they are. But like they mm-hmm. they have been in these situations. They're battle-tested. That's like an advantage that it felt like the Eagles had. Turns mm-hmm. out didn't really matter because they fell apart. But mm-hmm. now going into the Super Bowl, you go, okay, the 49ers are a team that has proven that they can be dominant. They can dominate an NFL team, a good NFL team on any given day. Mm-hmm. And now you feel better about them, in my opinion, because they've proven that they can win these games where maybe they don't have their best for a full half. They can come back and do it. So All that being said, they still got some breaks. Yes, yeah, <laughs> they but, got but, a lot uh, of but, breaks. Okay, okay, no, I, I I totally agree with you. They they caught breaks, but I think the other way to say that is they made plays in big spots, and the Lions didn't. Absolutely. The Brandon, I so so first of all, two things on the Brandon, I you catch one, maybe the sickest play I've ever seen live. <laughs> two, <laughs> three things on the Brandon, I you catch it turns out. Two, that was not almost an that that was people. I saw the I, I saw after the game people calling it a near interception or should have been an interception. If that had been intercepted, that would have been a sick ass interception. That would have been yeah, a ridiculous sure. catch. It was a sure. incompletion that turned into a 51-yard completion. So I, I just want to get that out there. The guy should not have caught it. That would have, been, and, that would have been crazy. And Ayuk made an amazing play to and that's adjust it. on the fly and dive and catch that, it. Yeah. That's it. That was a 49ers player in a the moment of the game. Instead of going, oh, I'm not going to catch it, and slumping his shoulders and quitting on the play making a inch that wasn't it bounced off the guy and into Ayuk's hands and it was like oh wow lucky that it bounced off the guy's face mask and the 49ers player went and made a play Jameer Gibbs runs into the line Tayshawn Gibson your guy flies in with force (laughs) knocks the ball out Eric Armstead there falls on it that's the 49ers making a play Brock Purdy scrambling as many times as he did tonight that's a guy making a play the the one where he almost got sacked and found use check for 10 yards after they had tied it at 24, like that's unbelievable. That was sick. just by by both of them. Yeah, right. And, and and so, like you said, there there are so many instances, and I'm sure we'll get into them uh, of of plays that could have gone the Lions' way that would have changed the game, and that that's 100. It, it the the 49ers ultimately, like top to bottom, start to finish, didn't play well enough tonight, but they made enough plays down the stretch to win. 
and that was one of the one of the things I was talking to Jeff Risden, who's a, a covers Alliance for for Lions Wire. When we were talking before the game, he he I, he talked about kind of the experience factor, and I think you I think you saw it there. Yeah, I think you saw the Niners being like, yeah, hey, been in this spot before. Um, just got to kind of methodically move forward in this game, and the Lions didn't. And if you're gonna say like, oh well. Brock Purdy actually was bad because that play was lucky or whatever. Like, yeah, that's what happens to come back from 17 down in a NFC championship game. That's not easy to do. There's going to be a couple of breaks and they, yeah. they took advantage and they turned a 17 point deficit into a tie game in eight minutes. That's yeah. ridiculous. And it takes some. Yeah. It, it, yeah, it, I think it's a great point. Like not only the 49ers got breaks, but they also just made more plays. Like yeah. unquestionably they made more plays. And Brock Purdy made a lot of plays, including scrambles with his legs. He ran for 49 yards in the second half. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like those those were not the one before where he just dusts Alex Anzalone, who was spying him on the play. Yeah. Dust him for a big game <laughs> right before Christian McCaffrey has a big run where he like it looked like he like jammed his neck. Mm-hmm. After somersaulting forward just before Elijah the Elijah Mitchell touchdown, um, that was a huge play, and all of Brock mm-hmm. Purdy's runs, you know, ended up leading to points. And you know, for the Niners to they outscored Detroit what twenty seven seven in the second half. Uh, it was just yeah, you know that that's one of those like that's in a historic game. That's that's probably like that's you know the I. I, I think that's probably the most memorable game of the Kyle Shanahan era because Ooh. of everything that happened because of for, for right now, if the 49ers win the Super Bowl, then winning a Super Bowl against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs would obviously be the most memorable game. But like in terms of, you know, the, the chips being down, whatever the term is, and and, you know, the 49ers needing to have that comeback that they've never had and the mm-hmm. context of it. And the fact that, you know, we've seen Brock Purdy play really well and win a bunch of games, but never doing it in that specific way coming off last week when it didn't exactly inspire a ton of confidence in Purdy playing mm-hmm. in the rain. And now like, oh, you're down 17 points. We're just going to steamroll the Lions in the second half. Mm-hmm. And that was, you know, Purdy was 13 of 16. And and the touchdown pass to Brandon Ayuk was not a simple play either. He moved no, in the pocket. Really nice he had a really small window. It was third down, right? Like that mm-hmm. was that was a great play by Purdy too. That that might get lost in the shuffle just in terms of how difficult of a throw and play that was to make. Yeah. Um, so, look, I don't want to. This isn't going to be a oh brought the Brock Purdy haters down bad. Like Brock Purdy made a bunch <laughs> of plays. And helped yeah. his team get to the Super Bowl, right? Yeah. Like it, how, however you want to rank him against whoever else, like that doesn't matter. You judge quarterbacks by winning games, and Brock Purdy made plays to win games, and it was very clear tonight that he was responsible. His playmaking was largely responsible for the offense's production and the 49ers winning that game. Mm-hmm. And over a, you know, there there might be times when the running game doesn't work and maybe Christian McCaffrey's hurt and maybe Brock Purdy has to throw it 25 times and a half and it looks different than it did tonight. Or there'll be times like tonight and Tom Brady had plenty of these too, where he won a playoff game with a 82 passer rating and came up, you know, had two good drives in the, in the fourth quarter and is hailed as this all time God because of everything he did. But it wasn't always like superhuman performances for 60 minutes there were struggles in there too with every great quarterback in the playoffs and the playoffs are hard and like winning in the playoffs is really really difficult so for Brock Purdy and you had a great tweet um on on Twitter former or x formerly Twitter I guess it's a post now um yeah it's a post where like you know like screw the discussion like Brock Purdy is in his second not only is he did he take a team to a Super Bowl in his second full se- or his first full season as a starting quarterback? His second season in the league, he's the first Mr. Irrelevant to ever throw a pass in the NFL. Mm-hmm. He just turned twenty-four, 
right? Like, it, like if you just let all of that speak for itself and just divorce yourself from the idea of like, well, would he would he do this if he played for the Jaguars with a shitty supporting cast? It's like, who cares? It doesn't it matter. That's, it's, not, it's not. It's completely immaterial to anything that's happening. He's helping the 49ers win games. And if Brock Purdy wins a championship for this franchise, then he goes down as somebody he goes down in history as an all-time important figure for the Bay Area, for the Niners organization. Yeah. And that's really the most important thing, and that's all that really matters. You can rank him. You can do a, You can do an imaginary draft with all the other quarterbacks. It does not matter at all. All that matters is the 49ers are, on the, are in the Super Bowl again, and Brock Purdy did a huge, played a huge role in helping him get there. He's the oh, – he's the he, – I, I don't – I, I want to make sure that this is cl- – he wasn't superb. He made enough plays to win. Yeah. That said, he's the only quarterback I ever see whose near interceptions get harped on ever. Like Lamar Jackson had several near interceptions against the Chiefs in their loss, by the way. And you don't see, oh, hey, Lamar Jackson, He yeah, he wasn't terrible but he did have three near interceptions so ergo like it's just it's so dumb it's such a it's such a strange aspect of this like purdy and the 49ers haven't played their best in two consecutive weeks and they found ways to win both games after all year you and i and every person who follows or watches or pontificates or writes about this team going okay that's great they can blow teams out but what do they do in a tight game what do they do yeah. when it's tight in the playoffs? What do they do when they're down three with a minute and a half left? Like when Jake not... Moody's missing kicks. Boy. <laughs> it's tough because like he came back and drilled two important ones. Mm-hmm. But man, I am never confident when Jake Moody trots onto the field, bro. <laughs> not even a little. The 33 yarder, you know what? The 33 yarder, I was like, he's making this. He wasn't missing from 33. The 43-yarder, I was, I was a little surprised it went in. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, I mean, here's the thing. If a quarterback was perfect and never threw any incompletions and only threw complete darts that were all 30 yards down the field, then we would say, oh, that's the best quarterback we've ever seen. He completes all of his passes. It's the biggest moments. Like, It's just completely unrealistic for any quarterback. Patrick Mahomes, the Chiefs only scored 17 points today. Mm-hmm. But, like... You know, like we don't we don't have to do the thing where like the only acceptable outcome is perfect play. And I think that's something that we do with quarterbacks. It's like, oh, that was a sketchy interception or oh, that like, oh, his completion rate isn't high enough. Whatever. It's like, man, you want a dude who's going to complete 85 percent of his throws in a playoff game and have every completion go for 30 yards. It's just not going to happen. Like even Patrick Mahomes, that doesn't happen. Tom Brady, that never happens. Like that's not it's not how this works. It's an insane standard. Yeah. Hey, it's Kyle Madsen with Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network, and I'm here to talk to you about my new favorite thing about football season, and that's prize picks. It's Daily Fantasy Sports, the largest independently owned Daily Fantasy Sports platform in North America. It's easy, exciting, and that's my two favorite things to have in Daily Fantasy Football. It's There's quick withdrawals. It's easy gameplay. There's so many selections of players and stat types that make prize picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. And I know you're probably worried about like daily fantasy sports. Oh, there's pros and there's sharks and there's all these people that dedicate their lives to just winning a daily fantasy. Well, no, 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 this is just you. You pick more than or less than on two to six players to create an entry. And those two to six players, you pick more than or less than on their stat projections. And then you watch the winnings roll in. It is so easy, and PrizePix offers weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts. There's like Taco Tuesday, where every Tuesday, PrizePix discounts select player projections up to 25%. That gives you even more value. And my very favorite part of all of this, PrizePix offers Apple Pay for quick and easy deposits into your account this football season. So go to prizepix.com slash candlestick and use code candlestick for a first deposit match up to $100. Go to prizepicks.com slash candlestick and use code candlestick for a first deposit match up to $100. You can jump in and get Brandon Ayuk, Christian McCaffrey, Brock Purdy, George Kittle. Slam the more than and root like heck for those guys to go more than those projections. It's, I'm telling you, 
it's the very best way to consume football. So prizepicks.com slash candlestick and use code candlestick for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Yo, it's your homies Kyle and Chris for Lamb Chops. SGLambchops.com is the website. They are the official clothing brand of Candlestick Chronicles. And follow them on Instagram at SGLambchops because they have some really cool looking stuff that your bland ass boy over here is not very good at styling on his own. And so I pop over to the Instagram. I see how other people are are dressing themselves in uh, maybe it's the maybe it's the wolf shorts or the lion shorts, or maybe it's a pair of joggers, or maybe it's the ash gray hoodie that you and I love so much. And I, I base my outfits off of that, and it always makes me look dope, which is the single most important thing. And it's also comfortable. It's also high quality. Yeah. It's super stylish. They're conversation starters, honestly. They also have kids uh, kid sizes on here, too. Yes. That and is everything's correct. unisex. Uh, we, we should point out also. So, um, no matter if you're a man or woman, these clothes will look great on you or a child or a child. They have children's sizes and a lot of their (laughs) stuff as well. Use promo code candlestick 20 today to get 20% off your order, or you can do it tomorrow or whenever candlestick 20 is a promo code any day of the week to get 20% off your order from sglambchops.com. Uh, shout out to them. We really appreciate their support and, uh, we would appreciate it if you support them by going to sglambchops.com and ordering some dope, comfortable, high-quality clothing. Join the herd today. So take all the take all the names out of it. Take 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 the names out of it and the faces and the teams and team A was down 17 points in the third quarter and came back to win in regulation. And the quarterback had one turnover in the first half, but ran it for, what'd you say, 40, 41 yards? 49. 49 yards. But really, does that include his three-yard loss in the last kneel down? I think it does. So 50-plus yards. Ran for 50 <laughs> yards. We'll just say 50. We'll round it up. Slash down. He runs for 50 yards in the second half, doesn't turn it over, and throws a touchdown and has a 51 yard completion in there it's like nobody like that's an amazing game i i just i don't it, it was it was the it was the it's not the best game i've ever been to but it's the best game i've ever covered like in person by a wide margin yeah and it's the first time under during the kyle shanahan era that I've been sitting there at halftime or at some point in the third quarter going, there's no way they win this game. And then they end up winning it. Like I was it, during the, during the Packers game, it was like, man, they're not playing well if they keep doing this. But like I said, there were, there were like pathways to where, okay, they're just better than the Packers. And you could see them taking over, but I, I didn't, I didn't see that angle tonight. And then it was just there. It's just so nuts. I, I think there's aside from just like having a quarterback who turns the ball over every play. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's anything more demoralizing than just being completely unable to stop the run. That do can I can we talk about the Lions real quick in regards to this, yeah. the stopping the run aspect of this because the Niners had nothing for it. Nick uh, Wagner from ESPN, friend of the pod, our favorite cast member, the guy you talked to today at the, the game. guy I talked to today, uh, said that before Jameer Gibbs' 13-yard run on third and 12, where he went untouched out of bounds. Before that play, the Lions were averaging six yards per carry before contact. Before contact! They were gaining six yards before somebody hit them. And you go, I mean, don't even get me started on all the missed tackles and stuff. It was just, I'm with you. It was, it was, it was like the Niners defense had nothing. Even when you'd have Fred Warner flying downhill and Dre Greenlaw and Oren Burks and whoever else is like, that nah, didn't matter. It was like they had 13 offensive linemen on the field. Yeah, I think it was the in the first half, it was the most yards they had allowed on the ground in a game at home in like two years. Just, just in the in first, the first half. half. Yeah. God, that's nuts. Yeah. So, so why did the... I, I just... 
the Lions on like their second drive started going to weird like reverses, double passes, and then they tried to flea flicker in there at one point. And then when they were going for it on fourth and three, which we can talk about as well, they put it in Jared Goff's hands. And when at the end of the half, on the last play of the half, instead of taking the three or instead of taking trying for a touchdown, they take the three. They were a mess, dude. Like yeah. I know Dan Campbell's a good coach and he turned that team around and and I all all the credit. He was a disaster. That was a mess. Yeah, so I here's the thing. Or this Please. this is I, I've been thinking I've been so full disclosure, I've I'm in Memphis. Um again for the second time in like a month. I was in Memphis for the week Brutal. when the Niners clinched the the one seat against Washington, but I'm back in Memphis for, for Kings Grizzlies. Um, but I've had a lot of time to sort of reconcile the Dan Campbell fourth down stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm cool with like, I understand that if this is the way you've built your team and this is the way you've had success all season by going forward on fourth down, mm-hmm. then keep doing it. Like, like go, go with the girl that, that, you know, dance with the girl you brought, you know, like just, but unequivocally, those fourth downs and not getting them specifically were were like huge moments in the game. Yep. So it was it was very much a live by the sword, die by the sword type of thing. And I don't hate the fact that Dan Campbell went for those fourth downs. If I ran a team, I would be much more conservative on fourth down and just like especially just like taking points off the board right like if you have a if you have a 17 point lead in the game mm-hmm. i'm just like yeah if i can keep adding points just adding points and see where i fall at the end of the day mm-hmm. like try not to give the other team momentum and i know you know george kittle joked about it or not even joked about it he's he mentioned it at the podium after the game like he has no idea why analytics people say momentum doesn't exist and i completely agree like anybody that's shot a basketball or hit a golf ball mm-hmm. or like done anything know that you can get in a groove and like yeah. you talk, you talk to football players. I've been in that locker room tons of times and talked to players about momentum and covered countless football games and high school, college pros. Like momentum is, is super real. It just yes. is Dude, like, if you want to make fight a or flight, if you want to make a statistical argument that it doesn't exist, fine. Like, go do your go do your proof. Like, I'm cool with that. If that's if that's how you want to think, I'm not going to tell you that you're necessarily wrong. I will just point out that momentum actually does exist, and mm-hmm. so I don't blame Dan Campbell for going for it. I think the play calls are probably bad. To your point, the way they were running the, the ball down the Niners' throat throughout the majority of the game, I thought. Maybe on fourth and two, you you try a creative running play, or maybe you run at Chase Young, who had been struggling to to stop the run, you know, the last few weeks, let yeah. alone today. Um, you know, and and if you get a fourth and two or a fourth and three in those scenarios with the run, then you are completely demoralizing the Niners. Right. There was, and and I don't, I guess to I I couldn't agree more with everything you just said. I couldn't understand. I can't I can't line up the the Lions not going for the touchdown at the end of the half. Yeah. Where that's one that's not getting talked about enough, I don't think. Twenty eight to seven, look, that game's over, bro. That game's twenty eight to seven is so dramatically different than twenty four to seven. And if they had lined up on fourth and goal from the three or whatever whatever it was, and handed it off to David Montgomery and he plows in for a touchdown. Like you talk about my momentum, the Niners aren't going into the locker room going, "Hey, we're not going out sad." It's like, "Well, shit." Like it's twenty-eight to seven now, and that's and what Kyle—that's th- what Kyle Shanahan said after the game. He was like, "It was seventeen points. Like we felt fortunate to be down seventeen points. We felt like it could have been a lot worse, mm-hmm. and they felt set like seventeen points was was surmountable. Like they yeah. thought they could come back from seventeen points. If yeah, it's they- twenty-one points." Then it like to your point, it's completely different, and it sort of flies against the uh, like, oh, let's give Dan Campbell credit for being aggressive on those fourth downs later in the game. Mm-hmm. But like, what about the one at the end of the second half? It didn't uh, end of the first half. It didn't first make, half second, it, second it, quarter. 
it didn't it didn't because i was so certain i was like damn they're gonna go for it and we're sitting up in there in the press box and it's like yeah they should probably go for this now you could go play action you could just run it you, there's a million things they could do to drop an easy touchdown it felt like okay. they were averaging 12 yards a carry it was point. it was nuts and if they so they don't it's like okay you take the points but then you have a chance after the Niners make it 24 10 you held them to a field goal now you go down you kick a field goal it's three scores again and now it's even later in the game it's like man that's a good spot to take the three like I'm yeah. sorry I don't give a shit about the two percent uh 0.02 percent increase in win probability if they go for it it's like does does that take into account it's Jared Goff outdoors in a huge playoff game throwing to Josh Reynolds no it I can't it stand win probability bro it's so it's so it's so stupid it's the dumbest thing like, so so anytime there's a big comeback like it feels like every week no matter whether it's college or NFL you see this crazy comeback right somewhere somewhere in the country some level of football there's a crazy comeback and then people will point to a win probability graph mm -hmm. it's like man if if the win probability was 99% then why do we keep seeing all these comebacks every single week? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Like, why does it like anecdotally like and maybe maybe these are just one out of 100 games that happen. There's so many games and statistically mm -hmm. the 99% is right. I'm just not convinced that win probability is ever actually accurate. In terms it of feels like very fake, it feels very made up. Right. Like, oh, this team has a big lead and they've. They've accumulated all these stats like leading into this moment. It's like, yeah, and there things have a thing things have a way to balance out. Like the, the football has is a game that is designed to like sort of balance things out. There are too many variables in a game to game situation to have a universal win probability stat. And maybe and, I'm missing the boat on what it is, but man, I just don't. It it just look just to get back to the the Dan Campbell aspect of this. I'm sure going for it on the first one when it was 24-10, I'm sure going for it, yeah, if you get it, now you have a better chance to score a touchdown, and now you're going up 31-10. to 10. Okay, that's great, but that's a lot of things that need to go right. And again, I'm not even... Why are you putting it in Jared Goff's hands? Why are you doing that? That's not a good player. What do you... What's the... <laughs> no, like, I, I don't... I, it's not... like, But he wasn't very good tonight. He, he made a couple Ooh. of nice throws on their last touchdown drive, but it wasn't... It wasn't. It wasn't like, oh my God, Jared Goff is just cooking. He, he was, was cooking he was, in the first half for sure. He was fine. He was fine. He didn't he, get help by his receivers. No, but I just it, it's like, why are you? That didn't make any sense. And then the second one is just that was a total mess. The 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 one where they could have tied the game. I, I don't. I don't know, man. It just between. You can make the case, right, between the end of the first half when you kick a field goal instead of scoring a touchdown and then the other two fourth down decisions you make when you decide against kicking field goals in field goal range. And again, hindsight is twenty twenty. I fully understand that, but it just needs to be noted in the context of this game. Those fourth down decisions cost the Lions in aggregate roughly 10 points. No. Four points for kicking the field goal instead of trying to score a touchdown there and then six points for not kicking the two field goals, it's mm -hmm. 10 points in a game that you lose by three. Yeah. That's, so again, like if we want to quibble, I'm that's fine. That's a win probability of zero. <laughs> I'm fine with, you know, like we go for it on fourth down. We've been doing it all year. That's the makeup of our team. I'm fine with that. Stick yeah. with it. Like yeah. don't change who you are now, but in order to properly analyze what happened in this game, not getting it on fourth down or in those and those three fourth downs were huge determining factors in what happened. Yeah. That's just how it is. Yep. Yeah. I didn't, uh, I didn't get it, but it's what got them there. And it's going to be a big reason. It's not the reason, but it's a big reason why they're going to be sitting at home for the Super Bowl. And maybe we should rethink, you know, Kyle Shanahan's lack of aggressive nature when we discuss these things <laughs> sometimes <laughs> with shanahan with shanahan it's way more it's way more the like clock usage for shanahan's for like we have seven and a half minutes left and three timeouts on our own 30 yard line 
we're we're gonna settle for the field goal here. <laughs> it's dude. We're, we're gonna we're gonna run a 17 play drive before the half ends <laughs> and make sure we kick a field goal and we're the last team in possession of the ball. <laughs> I was having I was having a great time and shout out to my my guy Evan Giddings who who does a bunch of stuff with 95.7 the game. Uh, I was sitting next to him and we were having a great time at the end of the half. The Niners got the ball back uh, in the in the second quarter with like 10 17 left and we're like hey lap opportunity here (laughs) (laughs) grind those 10 minutes down yeah take the field goal (laughs) (laughs) yeah now it's yeah my the shenan game management stuff to me is more clock related than than the fourth down stuff but yeah I, i mean defensively in the second half as bad as they were in the first half they not necessarily turned the faucet off because like you said, they did catch a couple of breaks with a couple of drop passes, but it didn't feel like the lions in the second half could just go get six yards on the ground whenever they wanted it. Yeah. And Nick Bosa had a really, had an, had an awesome game in the couple of the couple of really, really big spots. Most notably that, that second fourth down try, um, where the the Niners were up three, um, they got a ton of pressure on that play and forced Goff off his spot. So they were way better in the second half. The Lions averaged three point three yards per carry in the third quarter, and in the fourth quarter they only had two rushing attempts and went for fourteen yards. Wow, with a long of sixteen, so they had a sixteen yard run <laughs> and a minus two yard run, which which would have been oh that's the other one running the ball at the goal line with the minute left and getting stuffed was was a huge huge mistake for the lions i don't know if that was a dan campbell or a ben johnson call oh, yeah. um but they, they had yeah they had to use a timeout and then it basically meant that they had to get the the onside kick to win the game yeah um yeah so, I, yeah that was that was a really strange set of play calls yeah but yeah, man, I, I I think that this is this is like a signature playoff win for Kyle Shanahan. Thousand percent. It's not even close. It is the signature playoff win for Kyle Shanahan. And it also given, and I know Nick's made this point. He even made this point on this podcast while you were in Hawaii, which we haven't <laughs> talked about at all. But, um, like. We like people say they want Brock Purdy to to like you know have more comeback wins and stuff. Well, mm-hmm. given how good the 49ers have been, it would be per- pretty disastrous if they ever did have to like come back, right? Mm-hmm. And so you're kind of asking for them to like do what they did tonight and get their get destroyed for a half and then come back to to legitimize like the whole Brock Purdy <laughs> comeback argument. Right. Right. So it's just kind of like, would you rather have? I mean, obviously, you you feel good about Brock Purdy being tested, mm. but it's just silly because, like, in order to come back to win a game when you're down big and have that test, you have to get your ass kicked for a reasonable amount of time. Right. And no 49er fan would say, "Oh yeah, that first half was was great. Really enjoyed that. <laughs> Had a ton of confidence yeah. going into the third quarter. <laughs> you know, felt good." <laughs> so yeah but like brock purdy answered that question for sure dude it was it was the first thing i saw after the game because i accidentally went to twitter which is a terrible idea mm. was somebody saying that they were unimpressed with purdy because his longest completion was a ball that should have been an interception mm. and uh, like i said i would push back on the should have been intercepted aspect of that but like what are you, what's the goal here What's the what's the guy have to do? <laughs> what's he? What I know we talked about this earlier, but what is like you if said? You it's it's have... so hard. It's so hard to be down seventeen and then just come back to win. If you would rather have Dak Prescott and be paying him forty million dollars a year to lose playoff games, then like go ahead, make that argument. Totally, totally. Congratulations, like Dak Prescott's a more talented quarterback than Brock Purdy. Awesome. Yeah. You've made your point. That's totally, totally great. 
Maybe. Dak Prescott's better than Brock Purdy, but Brock's the one that's gone deeper into the playoffs and is Maybe. still on a rookie contract, making one fortieth of what Dak Prescott's making. Mina Kimes said it, man. On on what uh, what's Bomani Jones show called the right the, the right the right time, time. yeah Bomani Jones. Uh, she said it, man. Like the Niners needed to improve at quarterback, and they very clearly have. And the game isn't played in a vacuum. So whether Brock Purdy is better than Lamar Jackson or better than Josh Allen or better than Patrick Mahomes or whatever quarterback doesn't matter because he is good enough that the 49ers can come back from 17 down. And that's not something that you could have said with any other quarterback they've had in the college era. And like, that's that's just kind of, that's just it. So. Yeah, he was, he was the dude tonight. Like, being able to scramble and make those plays—that's a huge. That's dude. just that's just an element Enormous. of of the offense they haven't had. Mm-hmm. Like the the big commentary on Jimmy Garoppolo was like, "What can he do outside of structure? What can he do when Kyle Shanahan's play calling isn't there for him on any given snap?" It's like, well, he can't really he can't really do much. He just kind of sits in the pocket, and then when the pressure before the pressure comes, he makes these wild throws that often get intercepted. Yeah. Right. There was no, you know, but post ACL injury for Jimmy Garoppolo, there was no second reaction. It was just like holding on to the ball too long and never escaping, never throwing the ball away. And now you have a quarterback who benefits from Kyle Shanahan's play calling and benefits from the guys he has around him. Mm-hmm. But also when the play breaks down and all of those things are not at his disposal, he can go beat Alex Anzalone for a 20-yard gain in the fourth quarter of a playoff game and set up the game-deciding touchdown. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like the guy, the guy deserves to be considered like just a winner. He's, he's a winning player. Yes. Yes. He's a so. very good player. Um, Christian McCaffrey has a stinger, I guess, in his shoulder. And didn't finish the game, but Shanahan said he would have gone back into the game, but McCaffrey said he didn't go back into the game because he was worried that his shoulder wasn't going to be strong enough to hold on to the ball. Yeah, he had a stinger, and it sounded like he worried that he wouldn't be able to grip the ball. Yeah. Like, you, it's a nerve thing, so if you're like, if you can't feel your fingers, you probably right. yeah. probably don't want to be handing that guy the ball when you when all you need to do is just not fumble. Uh, um, so we'll to- see about we'll see about that. Can we do two things before we wrap up here? Sure. Okay, one. I was so certain the Lions were going to recover that onside kick. (laughs) Like, just at the way that game had gone, I had pre-written the 49ers win. I had all the SEO stuff done. Mm. And I'm sitting there and I'm going, this is one of those weird-ass Dan Campbell things where they're going to recover this, they're going to go score a touchdown, and they're going to be like, yeah, we repped that onside kick 6,000 times in practice. And we're going to have to hear from Cameron Dicker or whatever the hell their kicker's name is. Uh, Michael Badgley, sorry, other former Charger. Uh, <laughs> Michael Badgley being like, oh, yeah, Dan just believed in me and and he, he, he put his mana through me so I could make that kick. And wow, our spiritual leader. And I was like, it was just so certain it was going to happen. And then it didn't. And I was, I was very shocked. Uh, also, the ladybug thing. Mm hmm. So Brandon Ayuk apparently said that there was like some ladybug that landed on him and it gave him the luck he needed to make the catch. This is no bullshit. Before the game, a ladybug landed on the press box window right in front of me and I was trying to take a photo of it so mm-hmm. I could be like, are ladybugs good luck on Twitter? Because like clout, am I right? But I couldn't get a clear photo. <laughs> but, I, but I couldn't get a clear photo of what it was on the window. Mm. And it just looked like a smudge. And so I didn't take the photo and damn... All I can think about right now is how much that would have blown up if that tweet had gone out and then Brandon Ayuk said that. You think it was the same ladybug? It was very... Oh. I'm going to go hard maybe. I can't rule it out. It's a non-zero chance it was the same ladybug. We cannot rule it out. No. Um. Yeah, Christian McCaffrey was really good. It was... Good player. I don't ever think he should be taken for granted because I think a lot of running backs would have run for like 30 yards in those looks 
and the way the Lions seem to be dominating the the line of scrimmage, and mm-hmm. Christian McCaffrey still finished with ninety and two touchdowns. Yeah, he's just he's so he's so good, man. He he's like so many yards. I, I like I covered some Stanford games and watched him, and it just felt like Stanford just kind of mauled everybody, and he was running through like wide open lanes, and like I knew he was a really good athlete and stuff. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a good feel for just how instinctual of a football player he was Man. until he came to the 49ers. Yeah. And just his ability to turn a run that looks like it should go for no gain into like six yards might be like the best I've ever seen. Yeah. And he's super physical and super difficult to tackle. And I did not think that that's the type of guy he would be after watching him play a number of times in person while he was at Stanford. Yeah. And um, so shout out to him, man. Like he's, he's looking like a hall of fame player. Yeah. A light 132 yards scrimmage yards. That is in the NFC championship game, two touchdowns in the three point win would have been three touchdowns if he hadn't landed on his dome on that 25 yard run that had no business being a 25 yard run. Right. So yeah, he was, uh, he was really good. And my new favorite thing that the 49ers do. And in fact, not to step on our two week Super Bowl preview that's coming up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> lock in. Um, I think the 49ers need to get Debo Samuel involved more earlier because it feels like, they really let their offense stall out before they're like, all right, fine break in case of emergency, just give it to Debo and let him do stuff. And then that'll open everything else up. I think they need to do that earlier. He had nine targets in the game. Six of them were in the second half. And it was like, they came out in the second half for like, all right, let's get this thing going. Let's just start throwing it to 19. Yeah. I want to go back in and um, rewatch the game and pay closer attention to like formations and stuff. It does feel like the 49ers have kind of gotten away from, um, like I'd love to see the shotgun numbers and stuff. It feels like a lot of time it's like, you know, I've talked about this before, but like when you, when you line up under center and you can do play action and all those things, it just seems like the offense flows and mm-hmm. is in much better rhythm than mm-hmm. when it's just like Brock and shotgun every snap. But anyway, we'll have plenty of time to talk about all that. Um, watching the chiefs and Ravens kind of, go more or less how I thought it would go in that like I think the Chiefs defense is really really good and I kind of think just the way this sounds like blasphemous when you when you just talk about like these defenses on paper but I think it's a little bit crazy that the Niners are favored against the Chiefs at least in these opening lines and I've seen like two and a half and one and one and a half whatever whatever that neighborhood is Mm mm-hmm because, and like, I don't want Niners fans to be mad at me, but I feel like the Chiefs have a better defense right now and a better quarterback. And it's yeah. kind of crazy. And it's kind of crazy to me that the Chiefs are, or that the Niners are favored. Um, but we'll have plenty, we'll have plenty of time to talk I've about seen, that. But, I've seen conflicting numbers on that now. Yeah. I bet it lands at on either, the line. Yeah. I, I, I bet it lands at probably like a pick. Um, they don't, hey, Vegas did you doesn't see, do pickums. I haven't seen hardly any pickums this year. Did you see Chauncey Gardner-Johnson waving goodbye to people in the second quarter? I did. It's weird how that works out. What a dipshit. What are you doing? <laughs> no, so, like what? I get he's talked all that trash with Debo. And okay, they're up, what was it, 21-7 to 7 at that point. But it's 21-7 with six minutes to go in the second quarter. That game could be tied by halftime. At least when yeah. Debo waved goodbye to the Eagles fans, it was his long touchdown that made it like 42 to 19 or whatever it was. Like it was and he just had kinda... like a, a completely ridiculous game. Right. It had a monster game. It, 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 you wait. I get like, that's a great, tra- that's a great taunt. Waving goodbye to the fans is a great taunt. A plus nine minutes into the second quarter. Not a great time to do it, man. And now he has to eat shit. <laughs> Debo Samuel has, um, I haven't gone through Chauncey Gardner Johnson's resume, but I think we can we can make a couple of couple of comparisons real quick. Okay. Debo Samuel has been an All Pro. Um, he's he's gotten a very lucrative contract. Um, he's had a lot of really great performances in playoff games 
and in like very important regular season games. Um, and Chauncey Gardner Johnson is on his third team and might be on his fourth next year. Yes. I'm running through this real quick. No Pro Bowls, no All Pros. Uh, he led the league in interceptions last year with six. That's good. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. He's a, he's a I think player. the point here, at, objectively, if you were to ask 32 NFL GMs which player they would rather have on their roster, all things considered, <laughs> I think 32 point. out of 32 would prefer Debo Samuel over Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. Yeah, I think so too. But hey, Chauncey got to wave goodbye to some fans in the second quarter. So love yeah, that. Good, love good that for him. him. Love that for our guy. Um, we we would be remiss if we didn't. I just I just hinted at it a little bit. We have to do just very quick initial thoughts on Niners Chiefs. Chiefs by ten. No, <laughs> uh, I think it's. Um, yeah, I haven't I haven't like paid super super close attention to the Chiefs this year, but. I was saying all year, like, I will not be the guy to rule out the Chiefs. Just no matter what. It's Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes are going to figure it out, and sure enough, they're figuring it out. So I I think that is a very formidable opponent, and I think the 49ers have to figure out how to stop the run or they're going to lose. Yeah, Pacheco's good, um, and their defense is really good, and Steve Spagnuolo... Steve Spagnuolo now is carving himself out as one of the best playoff defensive coordinators ever. Like Just obliterated the Ravens today. Yeah, which is wild because it, you know... The, it was a Ravens thought, team that was rolling. The thought going in was that the Ravens were have just reached, like, unstoppable levels and could, you know, like, Lamar is a, a much better passer and he's... He's better at determining, you know, when to when to continue making his reads and and when to scramble. And the Chiefs have turned over their secondary and have a bunch of young players on the back end now. And it's like they're they've the defense has improved pretty substantially, I would say, mm-hmm. since the Niners played them in, in the 2019 Super Bowl. Um, so it's we're gonna dive in. We're gonna have two weeks to talk about it. Um I love that this is the matchup, honestly. Um, Me too. NFL fans in general might have a little bit of Chiefs and Niners fatigue collectively. Sure. Uh, but I think this isn't like from a from a pure, like obviously we follow the Niners. From our standpoint, I think this is about as good as it gets. I mean, there yep. you can make a good case that like the, the Niners-Ravens would have been another amazing Super Bowl. And they obviously have history given the 2012 Super Bowl. But this one, you know, Mahomes, Shanahan, the, the Shanahan Niners, like this is just, I think this is as good as it gets for from our standpoint. Yeah, And fans should be excited. There are going to be so many Niners fans in Vegas. It's going to be nuts. It's going to be super nuts. The Ravens today, just talking about the Chiefs defense real quick, the Ravens today went punt, touchdown, fumble, punt, 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 fumble, interception, field goal. And they had two turnovers. One, the the last one was an interception thrown in into the end zone. Yeah. The other one was Brandon Flowers getting stripped it's like six inches before the goal line. Zay Flowers. Zay Flowers, sorry. Um and uh Ladarius Sneed. Legarius. Legarius, sorry. I'm just <laughs> killing it with the names. It's definitely it's definitely one thirty. <laughs> It's 1.30 in Memphis, and I traveled today, but, you know, no big deal. Just toughing it out over here. Anyway, the Sneed play came. Um, I guess Flowers had, like, taunted Sneed earlier in the game and was flagged for it. And then Sneed, Boy. at the goal line, knocked the ball out of his hands. So the, the Ravens had two turnovers in or near the end zone in a game that they lost by seven. Was it Was it you guys in the group chat? that brought up during the game somebody brought this up it might have been it might have been you and nick debo not reaching for the goal line yeah that was me yeah i i yeah before that was a a great play great non-play by debo before debo had a running play right before mccaffrey's touchdown going into the north end zone i think it was his first one no was it so no it was his second touchdown 
Mm-hmm. It was the, the second touchdown of the third quarter because the IU touchdown was the first one, right? Yeah. Or am I mixing that up? Anyway, Debo got the run. He was going towards the left pylon. I thought he was going to extend and reach the ball out with the potential of fumbling. Like we've seen, I don't know, it feels like it's happened every week recently in these mm-hmm. playoffs at least where someone fumbles it and it goes either out of bounds or out through the end zone and it's a turnover to the other team. Debo just kept kept it tucked and went down. Yep. And it was I thought That's it was super underrated. Uh, that was the second. That was the game tying touchdown, by the, the way. The game tying touchdown. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, Ayuk right. scored the first one mm-hmm. in the third quarter. That makes sense. Yep. History, man. Right. That was historic stuff. That was fun. Absolutely wild. Shout out to my folks. Uh it's their thirty fifth wedding anniversary today. And they spent it uh, hanging out watching a historic NFL game. So good for them. Love them very much. I knew so many non-media members who were at that game. I was extremely, extremely envious not to see so many of the, so many of my friends, but I'm glad everyone got a great show because that was, uh, including your parents, by the way. Shout out to uh, Craig, by the way, our, Mm -hmm. our guy, he and, and four of his friends were there, three or four of his friends. And every one of the friends is a fan of a different team, but they all pulled up in Niner gear today. Nice. Supporting the homie. And I was like, would this be the same if it was like, you know, Team X? And they're like, yep. That's how it is. That's cool. That's That's dope. dope. So, uh, no, great atmosphere. Lions fans were great. Uh, They showed out. And uh, the atmosphere during the tailgates was great. The atmosphere in the game was incredible. Uh, It's the loudest I've ever heard Levi Stadium. When McCaffrey scored that touchdown to tie it, it was just bedlam. Yeah. It was totally nuts. So the faithful traveled. <laughs> the faithful traveled to their they home. Were field. In the build they were in the building. Okay. I feel for Lions fans, man. That one's tough. I would be I I went down and I walked through the Hilton like tailgate party thing they do after games there by mm-hmm. Levi's. And there were a bunch of Lions fans there like hanging out. I was like, dude, I would be despondent right now if I was a Lions fan. Like up yeah. 24 to 7, just dominating. You're like, hey, go to the Super Bowl for the first time. Holy shit. Here we go. And then it's just it's over and you lost. <laughs> oh, so I was in I was in Detroit a few weeks ago um for Kings Pistons. Not to brag, but I got to watch the Pistons play basketball. Um What are and... your thoughts on Asar Thompson? Raw. <laughs> um <laughs> but <laughs> Uh, I got the feeling in talking to like the handful of locals in Detroit that it was like, yeah, man, like this is awesome. It's not going to be that devastating if we don't win our Super Bowl or get there. Like this, mm-hmm. this team is so far exceeded expectations, and we're just yeah. so happy to get home playoff games. Yeah, that like this is yeah, it's cool. this is amazing. So, yeah. and like getting getting to beat Jared. Um, or, not Jared Goff getting to beat Matt Stafford and the Rams oh. after after that trade had to had to make the season and anything yeah. beyond that for them was just kind of gravy. So yeah, yeah. Anyway. All right, that's it for us. We'll be potting throughout the the couple of weeks leading up to the Super Bowl. Should be a ton of fun. Can't wait to uh, can't wait to break this down for a couple of weeks. Keep it locked to the Sacramento Bee for uh, Kings Grizz coverage. Live from live from the grindhouse tomorrow night. Subscribe, rate, review <laughs> at sackby.com. Uh yeah. Subscribe, rate, review to Candlestick Chronicles wherever you get your podcast. And uh shout out to the guy, the Niners employee who got in the elevator today and saw that my media badge had a blue like label on it. And he was like, Oh, from Detroit. I was like, What? No, like not at all. I, I was like, I do a Niners podcast. And he goes, oh. And I was like, yeah, Candlestick Chronicles. Check it out. And he was like, oh, okay, yeah, I will. So if you happen to be listening to this, my guy, appreciate it. Nice. Subscribe, rate, review while you're here. And I also wrote an elevator with Taylor Lautner today. Taylor He's very Lautner. short. He's an actor. Christian Juszczyk made him a jacket last week. Oh, that guy. The Twilight Didn't guy. Didn't he used to date Taylor Swift? Did he? I think he did. Maybe. I don't know. Who hasn't she dated? Am I right? No. Whoa, um, whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. <laughs> uh, sorry, I was loud. 
uh, <laughs> yeah, no, he gets in the elevator and I was like, well, some guy got on who I was like, I recognize this person. This is a person I should know who it is. It's an actor whose name I can't place. And then he gets on and my first thought was, well, that's Taylor Lautner. And then my second thought was, wow, he's super short. I am not a tall person and I am taller than he is. That's funny because Taylor Swift's like six feet tall. Yeah. 5'10", but that's fine. Uh, is she? I, don't know. I, have no, I have no idea. I'd assume anybody who says they're six foot is actually 5'10". Should we do a um, like a behind enemy lines podcast with like some of the Swift, Swifties we know? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I, I, like literally you read my mind. That was a thing I was going to suggest we do. Um, Hit us in the comments if you want us to talk to, to Taylor Swift fans to break down this this Snyder's Chiefs matchup. <laughs> Just hitting it from all angles. We got two weeks. <laughs> all right. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.